A new year brings a new beginning. Oh my god, Leandra, you're pregnant too? What? No. Are you? No. But I do like making deliveries, which brings me to one of my favorite subjects, FedEx Office. If you're just starting or have been running your company for generations, FedEx Office can give you the best way to print marketing materials, posters, signage, graphics, and so much more. With FedEx, creating, editing, saving, and ordering are fast and easy. We're teaming up with FedEx and Podgo to bring our listeners 30% off of their next order of $100 or more at podgo.co forward slash FedEx. That's podgo.co slash FedEx for 30% off your next order. FedEx, FedEx, the the world world on time. time. I wish I was on time, am I right? You're never on time. Be more like FedEx. Horror Minute is rated R. The Rocky Horror Picture Show is also rated R. We're going to spend this time discussing the movie in gory detail, and along the road we will talk about some adult content and use some of our favorite swear words. Jerb! Jorb! 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 Consider yourselves warned. Welcome to Rocky Horror Minute, the podcast where we break down the Rocky Horror Picture Show in excruciating detail one minute at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Leandra. And I'm your other host, Kelly. And I see Perry Bedden stirring, which means he will need a sacrifice soon. But I think we're okay for now. <laughs> yes, for now we are safe. I was gonna, sorry, I was gonna do a joke there, but, <laughs> but I forgot to, so <laughs> we're fine. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I was gonna say, well, I, I'm assuming this would get cut, but I was gonna say that our special guest tonight was like the only person who hasn't seen me topless or something (laughs) but then anyway surprisingly dan has not seen you topless how i i don't know i get topless at rocky yeah but he specifically like does not seek out nudity at rocky that's fair yeah and this is not a a thing where I'm saying, oh, you should like make sure that. Oh you can- no, I'm already jamming in pictures of my tits. Oh no, yeah. Dan, I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> All right, so let's dig on into minute thirty six. <laughs> Kelly, what happens in minute thirty six? That's a great question, Leandro. So minute thirty six begins with Janet clutching Brad for dear life, and basically this scene involves a lot more flashing of lights maniacal laughter and everybody is waiting for the creature to come to life and then he does and when that happens he starts to sit up a little bit we see hands kind of raising and unfurling from their position and that's it it is honestly I would say this is the most boring minute of the entire film. I It definitely drags for me. I've always kind of had a hard time sitting through lab scene, despite loving this movie, whether I'm on stage or in the audience or just watching it at home. So, and this, is, this part is especially rather dull. 
for me. This is the one that has just the least amount of visual interest or words or fun things. And it's just, it's a little bit hard to to imagine that they'd spend an entire minute with this. Especially since it's very similar to the previous minute. I mean, at least we had a couple of things happen, but for the most part, the previous minute was a lot of this as well. <laughs> so Yeah, this is one of the few minutes that doesn't have any dialogue. Yeah. There's just some cackling. <laughs> so I'm excited to to figure out what the title of this minute is going to be. It might just be chuckle chuckle chuckle. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> Christmas laugh. <laughs> That's awful. But yeah. I have a couple of things to kind of dig into about this minute. The first thing is I'm guessing that the direction that was given to everyone was like, be shocked or be in the moment, or something. And so many Transylvanians have clearly never been shocked in their life. Because <laughs> I know a lot of them, like Sadie, her response is just to kind of like Pikachu face and be very <laughs> like wide mouth, but kind of dead eyed about this. And then in this minute, you see Fran full and wider and she's just kind of slowly licking her lips while her mouth is open and slightly pursed. It's, I don't know what that's supposed to convey, but I would love to know exactly what the director was hoping to achieve. There are even multiple times when people just have their mouths open, but if you're not doing something to convey emotion that just looks like yawning so that goes into one of the callbacks that we'll get into a little bit later on but it's this scene is so long even the transylvanians are yawning yeah we'll get into this in callbacks but there are a few callbacks referencing how kind of slow this minute is and then also in the commentary that she did with richard o'brien patricia quinn talked about how this entire scene was torture and went on forever for filming and they all hated it. So there you go. Her word was that it was torture. Me too, Patricia. I do like this scene to uh, for performing as anyone who isn't Frankenfurter because it's just kind of me staring off into space. Oh, see, I hate it because I... It's when I become really aware of how much my heels are hurting my feet because I don't have anything else to focus on. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. But a lot of what Magenta does in this, for instance, is she just kind of stares at whatever Frank's hands are doing. So yeah. she's just following movement. And I can do that. And I... Well, I was going to say I like it as Rocky because I get to lie down, but I actually... I have a really hard time breathing when I'm lying on my back because something is suffocating me, especially if I'm wrapped up. So <laughs> I, when I'm in the tank before they take the cover off the tank, I lie on my side. But when I'm on my back, I can't breathe like almost at all. So it's actually hard when I play Rocky too. <laughs> because of a prop that our cast has, and we've referred to this in previous minutes, we have this like red 
light thing. We call it the cheap chandelier. It's a very massive kind of heavy wooden thing on a stick. For a while, occasionally spigots on it would fall off or gears would fall off and they'd drop into the tank. And I would always just like very much worry that it was going to hit somebody in the face, but usually it was the groin and that's arguably worse. And I was incredibly concerned that one of these days, it wouldn't just be one of the little faucety spigot things. It was going to be the entire thing just crumbles. And I have no way of knowing because my face is covered and it just crashes onto me and I die. So think about that the next time you're just kind of lounging in the tank. I guess I will. Yeah. Yeah. Just go, huh? Well, this could hurt. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would be one of the few things that would make it worse. Yeah. I'm also, because I have bad knees, if I'm playing Rocky, most of the time that I'm spending just laying down is going, I wonder how I'm going to get up gracefully. I, yeah, I do not have the core strength to just sit up, especially when I'm wrapped. Yeah, the wrapping really messes me up. So I just kind of have to roll onto my side and get up that way. But it is, it is certainly fun for the audience. Actually, that's not even true. This scene is just kind of long and tedious for lots of people. Occasionally you have casts that have more in-depth lighting cues where they do a hopefully slow strobing effect with their lights at this point. But often that just turns into them trying to strobe as fast as possible. And as somebody who has epilepsy, I hate that. And it is not my favorite thing. But that's one way that people kind of get over the fact that this scene is long and tedious I've seen a couple of people add in little silly bits into this moment where they're like pretending to pour things into the tank or they're that they do a little bit of a almost like a sex scene where they put the a sheet up and they start pretending to build something behind the sheet and that can be fun ultimately you just kind of have to have to accept that this is a bit of a slow minute. Yeah, I would agree with that. But one thing that I do like is that when the lightning strikes and you see the skeleton through Rocky, which actually is genuinely a funny gag, I think, that you see the skeleton through the, you know, like x-ray effect. Yeah. The skeleton has a bulge. Yeah, I mean, you can see Rocky's boner. Yeah. Uh, which is really funny to do. I mean, that was a deliberate choice and a very fun, cheesy one. This is one of the times when Sue Mary is very much to blame for something. Ah. There's this moment right before Rocky comes to life. It's when Riff is moving away from the screen. He is no longer wheeling, but he kind of goes down. And if you look inside of the television monitor, you can see that Frank, Columbia, and Magenta are 
posed in such a way that is not what they are doing in the movie at that moment because the uh, the light with the with the food coloring isn't even down they're just looking up at the ceiling so a little bit of continuity so sue mary how dare you how very dare you yeah but those are really all of the notes that i have about this minute if you have anything else we can dig into that i don't i think we should go into transylvanian tidbits yes let's showcase (laughs) our final two transylvanians you'd think that it would never end, much like the scene, but I've saved the best for last. We're going to go over Fran Fullenwider and Peggy Ledger. As you know, those are our favorite Transylvanians. I'll start with Fran Fullenwider. She was born November 16th, 1945, in Harlingen, Texas. Lots of info outside of her birth date, death date, and her film and TV credits are almost impossible to confirm. There's a lot of, almost an oral history of Fran Fullenwider's life. I've tried to put together what I think is mostly true, or at least lies that have been told in a couple of places. First off, I always assumed that Fran Fullenwider was some sort of fake name, and that does not appear to be the case. Fran Fullenwider, from what everybody has been able to gather, was the name that she was born with. Wait, what? Yeah. You told me that it was a stage name. I totally thought it was, and I'd been told it was, but there is no indicator anywhere that that is actually the case. It's just... It sounds like a drag name. Yeah. But later on, she actually had a stage name for another reason, but... It wasn't Fran Fullenwider. That's her real name. That's crazy right? because she because she made a kind of a career out of being a bigger woman. Yeah, you know that's insane that it worked out that way. That's crazy. What a great name. Yeah, like kudos to her. Just like getting the jackpot of names that are just very apt for who she is and what she's trying to kind of sell in her life. Well, if I ever do drag, which don't worry, I won't. I'll, I'm going to use her use her name, it, like her surname. Yeah, yeah. I think that would I think that would be nice. Yeah, she'd appreciate it. So yeah, she'd be my drag mother. Aw, if she were alive, which she isn't. No, no, I know. I'm just saying she would. Oh, okay. Like she would she would be into it. I think. So she moved to the UK when she was five. At least one blogger said that there was a Texas newspaper that mentioned that Fran got a several million dollar inheritance from an aunt that she had never met, which is at least a plausible way she could have afforded to study at NYU Film School and then ultimately graduate from the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art. What the fuck is this woman's life? I know. I know. I'm not... I'm really trying to convey that, like, some of this is just, like, maybe. Oh, my God. Okay. So, a few sources mention that Fran was a stunt horse rider prior to her iconic weight gain when she turned 21. And it appears from multiple sources that she just got tired of dieting and went from there. And she... 
she kind of jokingly said that she grew into it, which I think is a really fun way to kind of talk about something that I think other people would be somewhat uncomfortable discussing. Yeah, especially back then. Yeah. Love her. And, of course, she was from the Ugly Agency, along with many other people. There's... This is something that was attributed to the Ugly Agency itself. I couldn't confirm this, but there's a story that she had gone to the Ugly Agency to apply to be a secretary, but she was simply too large for the for the office and she became a model instead i find that to be one of the less likely things to happen but it definitely is a i could see that as a selling point for for that specific type of agency and it's still around by the way ugly agency is very much still a thing she was a fairly successful model in italy under uh, under the stage name Miss Southern Comfort, she competed in a Miss Alternative World pageant. After Rocky, she had a starring role in an Italian rom-com. And this is going to be another Leandra trying to speak in a different language sort of thing. It's going to be great. All right. So this was in 1975. She was in Una Sera Si Encontramo. San Contramo. Thanks. And she was also in The Landlord, which had the Italian name of La Afita Camere. <laughs> yes. I just go with it. Don't laugh. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. So in 1978, she was in a movie called Melodramore, directed by Maurizian Castanzo. And it's about this guy who prefers Fran to a traditionally beautiful actress. Italy had a lot of love for Fran, and she was in a lot of comedies where she was the ingenue or the main love interest, or people just couldn't get enough of her. And I love that. Another thing that she did later on in her in her acting career. She was in the 1981 movie, The Monster Club, where she played the buxom beauty, and that was with Vincent Price. She died on May 2nd, 1997. She was 51. She died of cardiac arrest and gastrointestinal bleeding. So her costume, she's wearing flats that are about an inch heel, and they've got a rounded toe with a slight point. Looks like there are some rectangular ribbon bows on the toes. They don't have an ankle strap or anything. She's wearing shiny black pants, white socks, a satin like Barney purple shirt with white buttons, and there's a white trim on the cuffs. She has silver cufflinks, and she's wearing a white waistcoat like the Rift Fest. It doesn't have a back with brown buttons. She has a black tux with tails. She has a Transylvanian armband. There are kind of a dark satiny green lapel on her tailcoat. She's wearing a pink sequin bow tie, and she's wearing rectangular sunglasses with crystals around the frames. The frames themselves are black. Her hair is teased and very big, and there's glitter all through it. 
In the time warp, she has a small green top hat with a reddish pink ribbon around the base. It's sitting precariously on her head like kind of a fascinator. It appears to be in there just kind of pinned in because I don't see like an elastic and it certainly wouldn't have stayed on its own. In the lab, though, her hat disappears and she's wearing a sparkly pink headband and red and gold crystals just through her hair. I think it's just like pins that she has in there just to add a little bit extra bling. She has pinkish red nail polish, a green or maybe light blue jeweled ring on her right middle finger and a brass ring on her right ring finger and then a chunky diamond ring on her left hand. She's wearing red lipstick and dark eyeshadow and a little bit of um, blush. She is very much painted to the gods, for the gods, at the gods. <laughs> yeah, she is She's kind of an international woman of mystery. And now for a commercial break. Hi, I'm Aaron. I'm John. And I'm Nikki. We host Rocky Talkie Podcast, a weekly program where we talk about worldwide Rocky Horror-related news and current events from the Shadowcasting community. We cover big global news stories about the movie, the play, the actors, and the Shadowcasters. We also fill you in on all the cool Rocky-related projects that individual casts and Shadowcasters are working on. We learn a lot about the history of the movie and the community. It's a good time. We just did an episode all about the pornos. Ooh. If you want to learn more about Rocky in the News and catch up on what's going on with other community members, visit our website, rockytalkypodcast.com. And if you've got some news to share, send us an email at rockytalkypodcast at gmail.com. Our episodes drop Thursdays on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. So come check us out and visit us on all social media at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll see you next Thursday. Snoogans. <laughs> <laughs> you said to see you next Thursday. But moving right on to Peggy Ledger, your favorite. Her real name when she was born was Margaret Dallas. She was born July 23rd, 1900. And she was an actress as a young woman. But then she married her husband, who was also an actor, Hugh Whitemore Ledger. And she retired from acting to raise a family. She went back into acting in 1971, which, of course, means she was 71 when she got back into acting. She was in a play called The Dirtiest Show in Town. She's just a little below five feet tall, so she was the second shortest of the Transylvanians. She has two lines in the film. She says, I always cry at weddings, and... Then later on, she says, lovely party. <laughs> yes, I love her. She died on July 4th, 1981 of bronchopneumonia. And Christopher Biggins delivered the eulogy at the funeral service. Aww. She is wearing black stretch pants, white socks, black patent leather, open-toed, strapped high heel shoes. She has a black tailcoat with four large, shiny black buttons, two on each side of the lapels. On the left lapel, Peggy has an unusual large flower-shaped pin. The stem portion consists of three gold stalks bound together at the midway point. 
the two outer stalks end in spiral curls pointing in opposite directions. The middle stem rises up to a five-petal, star-shaped flower. The petals are decorated with dark red stones. The middle portion of the flower is a light-colored stone, like pale yellow or green. And the middle stem has a slender gold leaf, which springs from the right side. She's wearing a Transylvanian armband. On each ear, there are three-strand pink rhinestone earrings. The center strand is about an inch and a half long with about eight stones. It's flanked by two slightly shorter strands of five or six stones. She's wearing a bright lemon yellow shirt with vertical pleats and running parallel down the front from the shoulders to the shirt tail are two lines of white scalloped trim. The same trim also lines her shirt cuffs. The buttons down the front are white. Just as a note, Ruth mentioned that the pleats aren't visible during the lab scene, so it's even possible Peggy switched shirts between lab scene or between time warp and lab scene. Because of course. I I think she did, yeah, from having tried very hard to emulate her costume. That's awesome and bullshit. Yup. Uh yeah, and then there are also some like photos where she's wearing like completely different things too in a way it's nice because like when i'm trying to figure out like eh, what hand like what rings should i wear on what hand it's like eh, just fuck it just put some rings on yeah but i really would like to get a single shirt that fit but you know well she she does get to have a fairly standard slender black bow tie so that's nice but she's wearing a rhinestone necklace clasped underneath her shirt collar and emerging underneath the bow tie It has three large pointed scallop shapes. And as you kind of noted, the black and white picture shows some of the rhinestone necklace, but it it appears to be different or else hidden behind the tie. On her left hand, Peggy's wearing a large ring on her middle finger with a round, maybe silver central part surrounded with smaller rhinestones. On her left ring finger, she has a chunky gold ring on her right middle finger she wears a round gold ring on her right ring finger she has two gold rings apparently her engagement and wedding rings the lower ring is thicker than the upper band which spots a modest sized diamond and ruth notes that during the lab scene it looks like she's wearing a ring on both her right ring and middle fingers so she might have moved one she's wearing black sunglasses with Horizontal teardrop-shaped lenses with blue plastic frames, kind of similar to Imogen Claire's. She she has a tall conical gold party hat with a slender red feather attached to the front. And for lab scene, she's using one of the blowout noisemakers, not the spinny ones. And it is gold with a crisscross yellow pattern. The end of the curled paper part is decorated with a tiny yellow feather, and the mouthpiece is green. And she uses gold tone opera glasses. Each glass is shaped like the barrel of a telescope with the lens and the viewpiece rimmed in chrome. The center grip portion has a duller finish and are attached to each other with a curved nose piece with a round circular hinge. They are held with a chrome metal handle attached to the right side and the handle is topped off with a ball. Kind of the most important detail about her hair and makeup is she has this elaborate, aristocratic, wavy old woman hair sweeping from her top left part of the forehead over the top of her head to the right. 
it is gray, but it's gray in a kind of lavender sort of way, not dissimilar to something Barry Humphreys might wear as Dame Edna. She's wearing pale pink lipstick and pink blush. Her eyebrows have a slightly darkened look so that they show up. She has a fairly straightforward life, at least compared to Fran, but she definitely had quite a long career, all things considered. If you ignore the part that she spent at least 60 of it, 50 or 60 of it, not working. So I guess that's all the Transylvanians, huh? Yeah. If we missed something or if there was a part that you kind of wished that we had dug into a little bit more, please let us know and I will do a bit more digging. But otherwise, I think we're on to callbacks. Yeah, and the only callback is one that I've teased a little bit. I've heard, I don't even know exactly what the cue is. And I know that that it's sometimes said at different times, but something along the lines of, is this scene over yet? Or this is the scene that never ends, things like that. Landra? Yeah, I think that... The this is the scene that never ends. That is something that I think you can more or less just kind of jump in on at any point in this scene. Yeah, whenever you feel bored. Yeah. Dan <laughs> notes that he he likes to say that one actually in the previous minute. I think that you can really save that for this minute and it's just as fun. I'm used to hearing something about that right around in in this minute yeah but that's not to say like i mean yeah there's no like it's not like there's a specific cue so you can do it at any point in this scene and it won't be over because it drags on and on my friends so there's also a point where they show the transylvanians in this minute and you specifically see sadie with her surprise Pikachu face and <laughs> the light kind of explodes around her. I guess explode isn't the right word. Uh, she is, uh, she is lit up for an amount of time. And it's at that point that I like to say, this house is clean because she <laughs> looks like Tangina from Poltergeist. And you can't convince me otherwise. That's a good one. Is that a Leandra original? Um, I thought it was. And then I realized that other people say it. And I don't know. I, I don't know well, if they heard it from me or if I heard it from them and I have bad memory. I don't know. It's pretty... Regardless of which of who heard it where, you do have a bad memory. I do. <laughs> yeah. And then I have a couple more there's when you see the rocky has a boner part of the minute where you're just looking at the x-ray of rocky you also see that there's kind of a multicolored rainbow effect going on and the callback there is it's rainbow bright on her period and eh, it's fine i mean rainbows are fun and then the final two that I wanted to talk about are ones that you can say as Frankenfurter is putting the, the elixir of life and all of those chemicals 
into the water with Rocky. The first one is hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons, pots of gold, rainbows, and me red balloons. So that one's nice. You can say hearts when he's pouring the the red food dye into the water. You can also, at this point, say, wait, the secret to life is food coloring. And one that I I do thoroughly enjoy, but it might just be my generation. I like sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients chosen to create the perfect little girls. But Professor Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction, chemical sex. Thus, Rocky Horror was born. So that one's fun. You know. Yeah, that's good. I've never heard that one before. Yeah, it's cute. Takes me back. Yeah. But otherwise, that's really all that I had. Well, I guess that means it's time to close this minute out. Yeah, and we'll do that the same way we do all of our minutes. The saying now. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. So get the fuck out.